you're asking me to make a prediction about the North Carolina General Assembly, and I have learned from many years being there that you just don't predict what those guys are going to (laughs) do. Sizing up the long session and saying goodbye. This is the Politics Podcast from WUNC. I'm Jeff Tabiri. Glad, as always, to have you along. This is my final regularly scheduled episode of the pod. We'll say thanks and adios in a bit. First, on Jones Street in downtown Raleigh, the long legislative session began, if only ceremonially, earlier this month. This week, lawmakers are back, easing into session with bill filings and press conferences. Committee meetings will commence soon. Republicans hold a veto-proof margin in the Senate, a near-supermajority in the House. From budgets to abortion to sports gambling and mental health, there's plenty on the possible docket for the next few months. So let's hear from Republican House Majority Leader John Bell, Democratic State Senator Sidney Batch, and journalist Rose Hoban. John Bell, House Majority Leader. Three most important objectives of the long session are what? Um, The first one would be the budget. And then the other two would be to get out (laughs) in in an appropriate length of time. So we have not um, we have not had our caucus organization meeting yet. We'll have that uh, after the swearing in towards the end of January. So I'll I'll know more of our caucus priorities once we uh, once we lay that out. All right. So budget and get out at an appropriate time. Those first two make sense. What if you want to just give your own personal one? What's a third, if not most important, highly? Uh, um, yeah. Well, I'll just be personal for me. I mean, you know, as, as far as stuff that's highly important is the, um, you know, two things. One, I want to see a continuation of where we are with the flood mitigation blueprint and strategy for the state of North Carolina. And that's, that's something that, uh, you know, that's a very important to me personally. And I make no excuse of how important I feel that is. And then the other would be um, of utmost importance is the continuation of our governmental ops committee and looking at how we get folks back in their houses from Hurricane Matthew, Florence, and, uh, and, and move forward with the Encore plan that's been put in place and how we, what changes need to be made to, to that system as we move forward. So, so those are two that I, I consider top priority for myself. Is it a fair assumption that redistricting will happen late summer, early fall? I would say so. You know, um, um, you really want to wait and see what the United States Supreme Court does on, on the two pending court cases and see how that plays. And, and then we, we have an idea where we'll go from there. What is going to be key to having a successful working relationship with your good friends over in the Senate? Um, I have a great relationship with the Senate. Now, we always don't always agree, but uh, it's keeping those lines of communication open. Uh, I've got a new majority leader that I work with this year, uh, and Senator Paul Newton. And then once the uh, all the chairs are announced, I think they were announced yesterday or beginning of the week. I'll take a look at that, and once our committee chairs are are uh, are announced um, through the speaker's office, we'll start you know start working together from there. But uh, I've got a great relationship with Senator Newton, and look forward to working with him as as the leaders of of both caucuses. Well, let me flip it this way then. I mean, yeah. let's y- y'all are obviously there's Republican supermajority in the Senate. Uh, House Republicans are just one vote shy of the the veto-proof party line margin. What is the biggest obstacle between the two caucuses, or what's the I don't what's the biggest difference between House Republicans and Senate Republicans as we head into this long session? 
Well, I have to see what the Senate's agenda is going to be and what our agenda is going to be. But, you know, I mean, the, the difference, um, we've, you know, we've got more people we have to satisfy than they do. They've got a supermajority. We don't. Uh, I feel like we have a working supermajority. I know a number of our Democrat members that are willing to work with us on a lot of fiscal issues and uh, such as the budget, et cetera. And, uh, and so they're going to have to understand that um, we have to, to have our 72. Uh, they've got their, their 30. And, uh, but we have to have our 72, so they're going to have to be, work, be able to work with us uh, and understand that. And, and so far, they, they understand that. They seem to understand that. The governor has sustained 47 consecutive vetoes. Will the first override of a Governor Cooper veto come before or after April the 1st? Oh, I have no clue. Uh, you're going to have to... <laughs> Depends on how fast we move legislation. You know, this place doesn't work. Well, sometimes it works extremely fast. Other times it doesn't. But, uh, you know, it's, it's my hope that whatever legislation we start putting forward when we come back into the, the working part of session will be well thought out, well managed, and we'll have a lot of support, and there'll be no need for a veto. What else is top of mind for you right now as we head into what we expect to be, a you know, a five-and-a-half, six-month slog? That's my word. I know there are other words for it, but, yeah, go ahead. You know, healthcare uh, is is something that we, we we left on the table last time. Whether it was Medicaid expansion or not, Medicaid expansion, but tied into that, there's uh, a lot of mental health issues going on right now. We we've seen uh, we've seen that pop up uh, over the last couple months, and uh, I want to really take a look at the mental health opportunities we have because we've got a huge need in our state, and we need to address that. Uh, uh, you know, workforce development, getting people back to work. Our economy is strong here in North Carolina. We have companies announcing expansions and growth uh, every day. Unfortunately, we have other companies that are announcing layoffs. So we want to continue to uh, to do what we've done on tax reform. I think you'll see um, some efforts made to continue our path on reforming our tax to be the most uh, business-friendly state in the country. And uh, that's, that's kind of, you know, we have to look at opportunities also on where we if we want to continue the tax cuts, if we want to continue the, the projects that we've been able to fund on the capital side. We've got to look at uh, additional sources of revenue, whether that's uh, gaming, whether that's sports betting, whether that's uh, medical cannabis, whether that's uh, Medicaid expansion. Those types, those type of issues will be addressed as well this session. I, I feel like. If you would, name and title, please. Sydney Batch, and I represent Senate District 17 in the North Carolina Senate. What are the three most notable things that you expect to come out of this long legislative session? What I suspect that we'll see, and I hope to see, is Medicaid expansion. I think the other major piece of legislation that we all need to wrestle with and come together on is the mental health crisis in the state of North Carolina and how we're going to address that, especially for our adolescents. Suicidal rates are um, pretty astronomical for our children. And so we need to come out with some mental health reform. And I think that there's an appetite for that in both chambers. And then the third is going to be some new form of how teachers are paid, potentially. Um, And I don't know where that's going to come down. But it's been pretty clear that DPI is looking at different options on incentive-based pay for teachers, and I suspect that we'll see some changes in that regard. Whether it's partisan, can't make any promises on that, but it's definitely likely to happen. Uh, tell me why, please, uh, why it is that you have any optimism Republicans will work with Democrats 
in your chamber in the Senate. Because with a veto-proof margin, they could simply avoid all bipartisanship, could they not? Yes, but I do think that the difference in, in my working in the Senate, of course, having served in the House and the Senate, I think that when the Republicans state that they like to have bipartisanship, they do in the Senate. And I've, my name may not be on bills, but they have reached out and I've worked with them in various ways in order to address problems that we have in North Carolina. And so I think that if people are, are willing to step aside and not have to take the credit and have their name on every bill, we can get a lot of work done in a bipartisan way. I think that there are a lot of great ideas that are coming out of the Senate. Uh, we were able to pass Medicaid expansion, maybe not in the perfect form, but it's now sitting over in the House. We were able to look last year at sports betting and also medical marijuana. So there were a lot of really substantial bills that moved out of the Senate with bipartisanship. And I think that that's what I hope to see, even though we are in a supermajority in the Senate. I hope that they'll still consider us as partners and work with us on important legislation. You have served in the minority in both chambers under the current leadership of both chambers. First in the House, uh, well, Tim Moore, Republican of Cleveland County, was presiding over the House, which he still is. And you are now in your second term in the Senate. You know, of course, uh, Republican Phil Berger has yep. presided over from, from Rockingham County. Uh, from your perspective, what differences that you've seen do you expect to still be in play here in 2023 as we think about whatever it may be, uh, the decorum, the civility, the interest in bipartisanship between the House and the Senate? Yeah. So I think a major difference in having served in both chambers is that, you know, in the Senate, right, I mean, obviously, there, there are less people. There are less cats to herd. In the, in the House, there are a lot more personalities and in a varying opinions. But the leadership is also different. Um, I, I'd say that one of the things that's been great is that in the Senate, it's run like a tight ship. You know what the schedule is. You know what you're going to expect. I've not sent, I have not spent one day past 7.30 or 8 o'clock in the Senate um, in session. Our sessions are an hour on average, whereas in the House, I could tell you that I was, I've been there until 3 a.m. in the morning. Right. So when you're a part time legislature, even though we're constantly working full time, it is much easier to have individuals who have other jobs like myself and who are working moms to be able to serve in the Senate because of the schedule and because of uh, the way in which it is actually it, it's run. I think another really great example is the veto override and the rules. When I was in the House, um, any there were very loose rules as to when you would have to actually put the veto on the calendar and it could be called at any time. Uh, so long as you noticed it, it could be in what they call the veto garage. The Senate and and uh, Senator Berger said that he would agree to a 24-hour rule. So we have 24 hours of notice. And even though we have, and that was when we had a veto-proof majority, now we do not. We're in a super majority. Uh, but he still is keeping that rule in place. And so that's just a perfect example of how I think that the relationship, frankly, with Leader Blue and with um, President Pro Tem Berger and the statesmanship that they have and the relationship and the decorum that they have really plays itself out. And the expectation is that each one of us in the Senate should act accordingly. And so I think that there's a lot more camaraderie in the Senate um, and respect and deference to each other than I experienced in the House personally myself while I was there with veto overrides and then what I've seen, um, obviously, since that time. Will the first override of a Governor Cooper veto happen prior to, on, or after April 1st? 
I would hope after April 1st, uh, but I suspect that you will, I suspect it's going to be before April 1st. From the grumblings and, of course, if anyone's been in the legislature, they know it's a high school rumor mill, sometimes even at the level of a middle school rumor mill. Uh, And so I think that if you listen to what all the middle schoolers are saying, then it's probably going to happen before April 1st. What else is top of mind for you that we haven't discussed, if anything? So I think what's top of mind at this point is what we do with choice, right? I mean, you've seen Speaker Moore come out and say what his vision is for North Carolina with regards to choice and abortion access in North Carolina. Uh, And I don't know that the Senate has been hard and fast uh, in leadership as to what they plan to do, but that's going to be a battle that we're going to see. I mean, the Democrats can sit here and and, and we've said what we've said. I mean, we filed a codify row bill last year, plan to file a codify row bill this year of codifying Rowan Casey. I mean, we know that we're clear where we stand. I don't think the Republicans are on the same page. So I I suspect there will be a significant amount of infighting on their end regarding where they come down on this. What's your name and who are you? Who do you work for? I'm Rose Hoban from uh, NC Health News. I want you to tell me three things that will be accomplished or completed or enacted into law Three things that they will actually do. And I'm not talking about hold a committee hearing and bloviate and yell at each other over Medicaid expansion, but three things that they will see to completion. And you can be completion is, you know, somewhat subjective, I suppose. But three things that are actually going to come to fruition at the legislature. Jeff, Jeff, you're asking me to make a prediction about the North Carolina General Assembly. And I have learned from many years being there that you just don't predict what those guys are going to (laughs) do. I'm serious. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I mean, I will say I can tell you some things that they're going to take a run at. They're going to take a run at Medicaid expansion for sure. They're going to take a run at more abortion restrictions in the state. And I would guess that they're going to get something, but I don't know what it's going to look like. And whatever they do get will almost immediately be subject to lawsuits. Right. We saw in South Carolina that the South Carolina legislature did something last year and the state court, the state Supreme Court just overturned it. So uh, there, there will definitely be action on abortion in North Carolina. And I think there's a lot of people who are hoping that the legislature will make some progress on getting more access to mental health services for people around the state, because we're really, right, we throw around the word crisis, but we're really in crisis when it comes to mental health. Share with the listeners one or two lawmakers, if you want to you know, tap somebody from each chamber or first couple people that come to mind, lawmakers who are um, a barometer of sorts, um, lawmakers, lawmakers who, to watch, lawmakers I, I to think, watch so, as it pertains to health care policy. Well, as it pertains to health care policy, for sure, Senator Jim Bergen, um, and he is he's really he's a Republican. He's going to be one of the co-chairs of the Senate Health Committee. He is deeply concerned about the state of mental health in the state. He is a deal maker. He is a, a really even tempered. Try to get things done kind of guy. Uh very close to the state secretary of health and human services, Cody Kinsley. He talks to him multiple times a week 
um, has the ear of the Senate leader, Phil Berger, and is whenever I see him, he keeps saying to me, keep writing about mental health, like keep it up because, you know, keep keep the attention on mental health, because I know he wants to get more things done around mental health. Anything else of note that we have not discussed that is important to discuss uh, as we kind of just tee up this long legislative session? I think the nurses are going to try again to get more practice latitude for advanced practice nurses. I think that here's the other big issue. That's a little bit of a sleeper issue, but it's a it's a big deal. It's healthcare workers. And I know that folks heard about like nursing shortages and nurses quitting their jobs at hospitals, but it's not just nurses, it's people like home health aides and nurses who can go to people's homes, like home care nurses, all of the agencies that employ these kinds of people are really scrambling for bodies. And people who require care at home are having a really, really hard time hiring people to help them. It's a, it, I think uh, one of the other things that we saw in prior in the most recent sessions was an increase for people like certified nursing assistants who work in nursing homes. And I think there is um, a desire out there to bump up the salaries for people who are Medicaid direct service personnel as well, because, you know, you can have one of these Medicaid waiver programs that allows people with disabilities to, you know, live at home, right, which is better for them. They like it. It's cheaper overall, right? But you need to have direct service providers who are going to provide them with the care that they need so that they can stay home. You know, it might just be two hours a day, but you still need it. And um, there's a real shortage of those people out there. And there's and their salaries really have not moved up enough to keep people in these positions right now. All right, time for some appreciation and admittedly a little navel-gazing. Eight years ago this month, I was reassigned to cover state politics. I didn't ask for it, didn't have any idea what it would truly entail, and didn't expect to remain on this beat for eight years. And I'm not sure there has been a more interesting, dynamic, absurd, contentious, litigious, nationally focused, historic eight-year run like this in the history of North Carolina politics. Lucky me. But really lucky me. I had a front row seat for so much. Supermajorities, battleground campaigns, late night legislation, HB2, redistricting five times over, Berger v. Cooper v. Moore. I've received lessons in North Carolina civics, history, and politics, and have learned so much from so many smart people about how our state operates. We launched a podcast, added a second weekly episode, grew our coverage, gained some respect, filed literally more than 100 national and international radio pieces, and I got to do all this while getting to work in perhaps the most ideologically diverse office in our state, the North Carolina General Assembly. And along these past 96 months, there were obviously a lot of people who helped me along the way. And I want to say thanks to at least a few. 
Gary D. Robertson, mayor of the Capitol Press Corps, the man I've shared a wall with for years, who somehow managed to answer every mundane, obscure, elementary, conspiratorial, and really, you're asking me that right now, question that I barked over to him. You are actually smarter because I had Gary around. I'll miss him as a colleague. Rosemary Hoban and Laura Leslie, whose shoulders I've stood on the past eight years, even if you didn't know it, or them. Before NC Health News and WRAL, Rose and Laura were both previously employed by WUNC. They were underpaid, and during their public radio days, helped to forge a path of better, tougher journalism, not to mention way more generous salaries. My life in this beat was a lot easier, thanks to them. Loretta Benitti, another made member of the Syracuse University Newhouse Mafia. She guided me through my four years as Capitol Press Corps president, helped get the most out of our forced move to the basement, and showed me time and time again what reciprocal fairness and respect looks like. Colin Campbell. He started just a few months ahead of me at the legislature. Yes, I realize what you're probably thinking. That dude has done way more than you in eight years no argument. Journalism is in his bones. Travis Fain, who arrived after we lost Mark Binker, and in undeniable ways picked up where Binker left off, setting a standard for us to try to chase. Funny, smart, passionate, a TV curmudgeon. Don Vaughn, whose upbeat cynicism and love for budget provisions is something every press room needs. And then there are the in-house WNC colleagues, Jorge Valencia and Rima Crace for showing me the ropes, Jess Clark, Coldell Charco, Liz Schlemmer for keeping me up on all things education-related, Jason DeBruin for levity and laughs, always, and Rusty Jacobs, who is one of the only people as quick to an eye roll and a, that person is ridiculous, you talk to them, as I am. The politics editor, Dave DeWitt. Together we created a podcast, which I hope carries on, pushed out a radio documentary, sent a nine-term state lawmaker to his resignation, influenced policy, won a few awards, and, I sincerely hope, believe, improved this beat. And there are so, so many others who I won't list out of respect for time, as well as, of course, those off-the-record and background relationships that were forged. Lawmakers, staffers, strategists, political scientists, advocates, attorneys. Eight years on this beat, and I'm still occasionally overwhelmed. My sources have kept me sane. Mostly. Anyway, as for me, I'm leaving the politics beat. WUNC is launching a new daily news show, On Your Radio, and I'm going to co-host it. It'll debut later in 2023. Right now we're working on hiring producers, a technical director, and laying the foundation for this new program. A replacement for this post will be named soon. I'm excited about that, and suspect you will be too. So thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thanks for listening and writing in and correcting and pushing back, offering ideas, and ultimately, hopefully, learning about and engaging with your state government. It's been a pleasure. Hopefully, we'll chat again soon. something yeah so that what we're doing right now this is for dad's last politics podcast i'm not gonna do the podcast anymore
little sad, right? Are you going to give me a radio away? Well, it's not a radio. It's a recorder. I'm going to hang on to it. I probably have some other work to do. And I'm going to keep doing it with you. Yeah, we're going to find a place for you I'm going to say W-U-N-C, so... Yeah. W-U-N-C. Can we say goodbye to the listeners? Goodbye, listeners. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. You're the best. Thanks for listening. You're the Thanks best. for listening. You're the best. You're the best. W U N C.